Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and this week's guest, Steve Feinstein, is a junior golf consultant who's been in the industry for about 30 years. Uh, He has served as the Director of Public Relations for the FCWT, the Future Collegians World Tours. Uh, He's also been involved with the Optimist Tournament, Doral Publix, the Orange Bowl, I was actually introduced to Steve through a mutual friend, Seth Lauer, who played his collegiate golf at Florida State and last week competed in the LeCom Suncoast Classic on the Corn Ferry Tour in Lakewood Ranch, Florida. Uh, Seth actually met Steve while he was coming up through his junior golf career. Uh, like Steve has built relationships with many other players the same way um, who have gone on to do great things in college and on the professional tours as well. So Steve's a great resource and has been a great resource for a lot of parents and a lot of players over the years and uh, really excited to have him as a guest this week. Um, in our chat, we're going to talk a little bit about um, you know some of the important things that families should be focusing on with college, with scheduling their summers uh, with finding a good coach. We're going to talk about how junior golf exploded in the 90s. We're going to talk about multi-sport athletes, uh, planning and preparation. And Steve's got some fun stories for us uh, about some players that he's run across over the years. So really excited to jump in and uh, let you guys kind of listen to all the valuable information that Steve has to bring to us today. Uh, But before we move into that, I do want to thank you. I appreciate you guys tuning in week after week to these episodes. If you haven't subscribed yet, um, please subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have. Also, I would really appreciate your feedback. Um, Would love for you guys to leave a review on the podcast platform that you listen on. Uh, Would love to get an email. I'm getting all kinds of great emails Uh, from you guys but would just continue to like to ask for feedback so that I can uh, continue to make this show better and give you guys valuable information and hit on some topics that are really important to you so uh, share your feedback leave a review subscribe to the podcast and uh, you guys sit tight we'll be right back with our interview with Steve Feinstein Welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Uh, this week, I've got somebody that's joining us that's been in the junior golf space for a while, uh, Mr. Steve Feinstein, and um, just wanted to chat with him about his experience and bring you guys some value around junior golf and uh, what we can do to help you guys in your journey. So, uh, Steve, how's it going? Or as they call you, Foon, correct? Uh, yeah, that's a nickname that I've had for quite a while. Where'd you get that nickname? Um, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. That's my standard answer. <laughs> Ooh, all right, all right. We can go with that. Uh, well, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, you know, we've had an opportunity to chat a little bit and get to know each other, but I'm looking forward to get to know you even more and just learn from you about your experience in the junior golf space. So um, can you kind of give the audience some context behind who you are and, you know, kind of how you got introduced to golf and what your journey's been in the game of golf. Sure, Matt. Um, I graduated Brown University, got a master's degree in social work at University of Connecticut. 
um, worked as a program director at a community center, was a program director for a Big Brother program. All the while, I was, um, uh, my first love was summer camp and eventually owned my own uh, uh, boys' summer camp in Maine, which I uh, maintained for 20 plus years, um, traveling all over the country with kids everywhere. So I was very connected to families and to, uh, and to kids. And when I sold the camp, kind of prematurely in a way, uh, I, I kind of fell into junior golf, don't even really know how it happened, um, and started going to junior tournaments, meeting a lot of people, um, and it grew like topsy. And before I knew it, uh, I was involved in oh, two or three different junior tours, individual events, um, just to mention those, um, I'm still involved in, I'm on the, the, the committee that, that, op, that uh, runs the Optimist tournament. I, uh, I work with the Doral Publix tournament in December. I'm on the committee that runs the uh, junior orange bowl, um, and on and on. Um, I was president of the Rhode Island golf association. So pretty much I started to accumulate a lot of knowledge and information in junior golf uh, in that whole realm. Um, and it came very naturally to me and people were, you know, they saw me as someone who knew something about junior golf and they would always be asking me questions and seeking information. I was very free with my time. I, I felt honored to be, you know, to be included. Um, but I, in terms of, of my own little business call it, which is junior golf consulting, um, I started to realize that people, it was too casual. People would, would get information. I'm not sure they would ever use it. So I decided um, to make it a little bit of a, uh, of a business, if you will, though it's really a labor of love. So I started to uh, call it a junior golf consulting, charge a, a small fee. And I was very pleased with that because I felt that People were listening to what I had to say and they were following through. And I felt good that I was helping people um, to, you know, to achieve their goals. And, and, and basically um, what I found was that I've been doing this for like 30 years now that is in the night I coached high school golf in Florida. So I was, I was involved at all levels and, and, um, Junior golf seemed to explode in the 90s uh, and it's continued right through. It's one of the certainly one of the fastest growing areas of of golf. Um, yeah. And, and and it's a lot of people, families are kind of caught off guard. A lot of the parents didn't really come up from a golf background. They played other sports and all of a sudden their kids were getting insanely interested in junior golf. And what to do and how to do it. And of course, that eventually leads to college recruiting and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was uh, up to my ears with uh, talking to people. It, hardly a day goes by, it seems, that there isn't a family that I'm dealing with or a college coach that I'm speaking with or a tournament that, that I'm involved with. So it's been a long run. I still enjoy it. Um, and I Probably, if I had a guess, I don't know. I've probably been to five thousand junior golf tournaments in my in my career. 
Um, yeah. And, and they're all different, you know, and you meet all kinds of people. Um, and, you know, I've certainly developed a way of working with people that, that helps them. Um, yeah. And it's, it's still exciting to me that, uh, you know, that I'm involved in it and that I'm doing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you and I talked about this uh, last week where, you know, the reason I started this project is along the lines of exactly what you're talking about. There's, um, I think, a big thirst for knowledge from families uh, around the world because I was recruiting, like I shared with you, in the junior golf academy space for a few years and worked with a lot of families from around the world. And there's just a big need for information. So can you kind of give us like, what is the current status of junior golf as it stands today? Well, I think. It might be a loaded question. Are you talking, <laughs> you're talking about perhaps trends or, or what have you? Yeah. I mean, just compared, you know, you've been in the business for a while. So, I mean, you've seen, you know, ups and downs and growth. You talk about it exploding in the 90s. You know, where does it come from and, and where is it where is it going, do you think? Well, First of all, I think certainly TV coverage has certainly brought golf to the forefront. Um, and one of the trends that, that I have noticed is that the more and more the juniors who are good athletes in other sports, the, the quarterbacks and, the, and the, uh, you know, the center forwards and the, and the, the point guards, <clears throat> they fall in love with golf. And mm-hmm. although they love their team sports, um, and it's painful to give them up, and, and some many don't. Um, they really want to play golf because they feel that the it, it's all on them. And if they're competitive, and and they feel that they can control the environment. You play on a team, of course. You're you're part of a team, and you you rise and fall as the team goes. So I think that has certainly become something that I have noticed is is those kinds of kids gravitating towards junior golf. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that, that anybody can't play. You don't have to be a super athlete to, to be a good golfer. God knows I, I've seen plenty, but um, sure, it, it certainly is something that has kind of uh, come to the forefront. And, and I, you combine that. And once the kid starts, you know, really getting into it and, and the parents go along with it and support it, um, then you're talking about, and, and we see it all the time with, with these young, you know, you look at the pro tour now and kids come out of college and they're winning on the PGA tour. Um, right. It, you know, you have to you go back to a Phil Mickelson or, or way, way back. Uh, some of these kids are, are ready to go. Um, so they're better prepared. They have, they have trainers, they have personal coaches. The fitness is extremely important. They, they hear and they see all of these, top athletes at every sport, uh, certainly golf, um, who are, who are doing that. So they want to replicate it. Um, these days it's not unusual for a, an exceptional 14 or 15 year old to be competing at the highest level in, in, in junior golf and, and oftentimes being the best there is. Um, so it's no wonder that, um, when they get to college, you often see, freshmen in college being the best players on their team, because when they come yeah. in, they are, they're fully ready to go. Um, you know, I'm not saying that's universal, but what I'm saying is it's certainly not surprising to see 
these kids so ready because they are athletic and because they're really putting into it. I, one of the things I do with, with families that I work with personally is, is help develop a schedule that is, I call it appropriate for their level, their age, their, their, their physical development, the whole bit. Um, so we talk about having some time off that you can't just go from one tournament to the other. They're going to get tired. They're burn out. They need time to practice and just be a kid. But sure. I caution the parents. I say, so, okay, we're going to build in three or four days here where there's absolutely no tournament, maybe a whole week. I said, but what do you think your kid is going to do during those days? We all know <laughs> they're going to go to their golf course at eight in the morning and get picked up at six at night. <laughs> right. But they're not competing. It is fun time. Sometimes they're with their friends or, or, you know, showing off with the adults in a, in a, in a, in a, in a club or, or what have you, but it, it does take some of the pressure off. Um, so you see it all the time and, and I'm, I'm one that's prone to, you know, picking out certain kids at certain ages and, and saying to myself, if not to others, you know, hey, if, if all goes well, this, this one seems to have what it takes to, to go far. And when I say that, I, I caution people, I don't mean playing professional golf. I, everybody I work with, to me, the goal is playing college golf. Um, yeah. that's, that's what they all want to do. Kids at, at 11, 12, and 13 are talking about colleges it's it's unbelievable they, they, don't yeah, really do for sure. they don't really do that in the other sports but they the golf kids are really focused on on you know their their future golf career and i guess that's a good thing give them motivation sure yeah and i mean this audience here we've got parents that are listening and young players that are up and coming and even some coaches that tune in as well and you know you talk about scheduling in a in a an appropriate schedule for their level. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit more so we can give, you know, some more tactical advice to the, the families that are listening, you know, how do they go about attacking and building either a weekly or monthly or just a schedule throughout the year? Well, I'll start with the people that I work with sometime or again, depending on where you live. Now I'm, I always say January, February, because I'm thinking about colder weather kids, but obviously kids from, Florida and Texas and California, it's year round. Um, but regardless of that, what I mean is that you, you, you kind of want to make a schedule, that, depending on the skill level, that balances developing a winning tradition. And that means playing in, in, in enough local tournaments with people, that, kids that you know. And if you're good, you know, maybe doing pretty well, taking a trophy home here or there, or getting some attention. It's a good thing. It builds confidence. But at the sure. same time, at the same time, uh, to develop the skills, you need to be reaching for more important tournaments. Um, not necessarily nationally, um, but there's lots of qualifiers, but, you know, things like the, the Junior Am or the PJ Championship or the Optimist or the Junior World that, that all, all, get you get there by qualifiers so you can find qualifiers. Uh, even even uh, uh, drive chip and putt which is a great thing um, sure all of these things are available on the local level and they can lead to national tournaments which will then expose the kids so it should be a combination of reaching 
for more important events as well as maintaining a, a uh, uh, you know, a, a relationship, a closeness at your local level. It's good to, to play in your state junior championship. You get a lot of attention for doing that. Obviously, your high school golf um, at, at, the, at the local level gets a lot of attention in terms of the, the newspapers and so on. Um, so I, I think you have to strike a balance. Certainly, you get an exceptional kid at, at you know, 13, 14, 15, um, they're going to start wanting to play and should play things like, uh, you know, AJGA and, uh, and other national tours and individual events that, you know, that have a good reputation. Uh, everybody is different, but yeah. you kind of got to sense it and the schedule would change every year as, as the player develops. Uh, it's, it's very important. Um, some, I, I've met some people who are, they, they skip from playing in a local tournament and all of a sudden all they're doing is traveling all over the country, chasing whatever um, and not doing very well and maybe getting discouraged uh, emotionally because they're not, they're not producing. Um, so, yeah. And it's different for everyone. I, it's, it's, you take a hard look at the schedule that they played the previous year, look at the results, uh, kind of monitor physical development and, and, and skill level and, and go from there. It's, it's very individual. There's no, no one schedule is right for everybody. That's for sure. Yeah. So obviously you're a big resource for families and they're, if they're working directly with you, you know, you can help kind of guide them and you know a lot about different tournaments that exist out there around the country for those families that don't work with you. Um, you know, are there any resources out there that they can pull from to try to find these different tournaments and build schedules that are applicable to their junior and their levels? Ab absolutely. Um, you can start at, at your, your state golf association, um, your, the, the local PGA section, uh, everywhere runs tournaments. Those very easily accessible um, junior golf scoreboard, which is a, a national ranking service. Um, they have uh, a list of, of tournaments uh, available to kids by state, by age, uh, everything that you can, you can think of. Uh, and obviously, your, your club pro, um, you know, they have enough to do at their club level, but they know about a lot of tournaments. They're certainly a good resource for, for everybody. Um, and I think you can, you can find... Um, you find as much information as you want. Um, and oftentimes uh, people just kids or, or parents talking to other parents, well, we played this and it was a good tournament. That's often how some, some kids get, get to tournaments. All of those. Sure. Certainly, you know, certainly your club pro, the PGA section, your state golf association, all of those are good resources. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about uh, junior golf scoreboard. I mean, you kind of got into it a little bit there, but you can actually filter out, you know, age and and ranking you know what area of the country you want to play in what time of year those different types of things and it can really help kind of help you hone in you know on some different tournaments that meet that criteria yeah right? they've they've really created quite a, a nice uh, platform for for junior golf families uh, in in all levels it's not just the rankings but it's information as you said about tournaments all over the country and um it you know people are always searching for information and what what I have found is that I, a family will contact me and whether they're working with me or not, it doesn't matter. Um, and 
they just don't know what to do and they need sure. and they need guidance and and I'm not the only one who who does this there are comp- big companies that do this nationally and and they certainly serve a purpose um for me it's very personal I, I don't do any advertising or anything like that it's all word of mouth or knowing somebody who you know who knows me and and eventually we we get together um but there's yeah. there's plenty of of resources out there um but the pack the, the parents have to work at it. It's amazing how some of the, some of the kids almost take over the job of being their traveling secretary and, and, and determining a lot of the stuff. But obviously until the kids are driving and a little bit older, they're dependent on their parents. So the parents have to be involved. There's gotta be a support system for a, a junior player to develop. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, <clears throat> we take a step back and just try to give some guidance to those parents that are out there. What, what are, if you could pick three things that they could focus on or that they should be focusing on as they're trying to help their junior down their path, what would those things be? Well, I think, um, I, and I hate to bring the, the college aspect into it, but it, as I mentioned, it, it doesn't take long before kids and even their parents are, are focusing on that. So a little bit of what I say is directed in, in, you know, along those lines. Um, I think you want to set reasonable goals, uh, both the family and the kid, you know, and it's not, it's not winning the masters when you're 25. It's, it's reasonable things. Um, whatever it is, scoring, scoring levels, number of, uh, finishing in certain tournaments, uh, at a certain level. I think, that's an important, the schedule is obviously very important. Um, um, the, um, the idea of how much to play and when to play and what's important is really takes up the entire summer. The summer is the big time for, for most of the tournaments. Obviously, if, if, as I say, if you live in warm weather climates, it's year round, but the important sure. stuff takes place, you know, roughly whatever, May 1st to September 1st in, in that area. Um, so I, I think that uh, that is involved. I think that every needs a coach. I've met a lot of parents. Some of the parents were good golfers or even are good golfers, but it's very hard to be, to fill the role of parent and coach. Eventually there's going to be a rub. There's, there's going to be a problem. And I think the sooner that a parent hands off the teaching to a, a professional, uh, the better they're all going to be. Uh, doesn't mean the sure. parent isn't involved, but the, the time has come to recognize that, that that's important. Um, so I think, I think the coaching is something that, that everybody has to, has to deal with. Um, it, so how do you find, how do you find a good coach? I mean, I know that we've, you know, we've seen, Ooh. A couple of situations work, right? Where you, know, you talk about like Justin Thomas has got a really good situation with his dad and it seems like that works really yep. well. Yep. Um, I had one of the top players in the country, uh, Max Moldovan, on uh, a few weeks ago and he and his dad work together. His dad's a pro at the club that he grew up on. Um, so that's working really well for them. But how does a parent help find a good coach for their player? It's a, it's a very good question. I deal with it a lot. Yeah. Uh, 
I have been known. Sometimes I will know a, a kid for a year or, or so, whether I'm working with him or not, and sort of out of the blue, um, and, and I can do this without interfering. And, and I kind of bring up the subject of, have you seen improvement? Is there, is it working? And the only reason I would do it is because I have seen it. It hasn't been working. And right. eventually um, I say, look, maybe a fresh face, a new look um, would not be a bad idea. And I have in, in my area and I certainly know, know people, good reputable uh, teachers and coaches. Uh, I said, why don't you go for a, a lesson? It's a trial lesson. You're not marrying the guy or the woman. You're, yep. you're getting a fresh look at, at what you can do. And oftentimes, um, it, it is extremely helpful to do that. Um, listen, the pros do it. Um, so it's, it's not unusual. So, but in answer to your question, um, certainly talking to other junior golfers, <clears throat> especially ones that have a pretty good skill level and who they work with uh, is, is a resource. Um, in general, uh, club pros can be very helpful. Um, some of them are outstanding. I don't mean, you know, they're the lifeblood of, of the golf industry. <clears throat> but they're so busy doing so many things. Um, right. I look for a pro that is experienced working with juniors. Working with juniors is altogether different than, than having, uh, you know, a 50-year-old a, a man or woman come and fix my slice. Uh, it's different. Right. You, the, the, the pro that works with juniors is setting up a long range plan. Um, and, and I'm not saying you're going every week, you know, you go with a, with a new pro, maybe you see him a couple of times the first month and then maybe every month after that, or if not less, um, but they're available to talk to and so on. How, how you find them are uh, the parents, uh, club pros, uh, people in the, in the area, uh, PGA, uh, second, there's a lot of a lot of resources to to uncover pros in this day and age. There's a lot of academies and teaching facilities almost everywhere. And I don't necessarily mean academies in Florida with, that are residential. I mean, um, you know, where you go after school or you go on the weekends um, and they have any number of people teaching there and facilities to practice and train. Um, Oftentimes, one of them uh, becomes your coach, but not necessarily. Um, those are, you know, those are pretty easy to, to find. Um, I, there's probably no area that around these days that doesn't have indoor uh, or indoor-outdoor facilities for kids to, uh, to, to practice and train and, and perhaps, you know, find a pro at that location. I don't think it's too difficult. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of, um, you know, junior golf, like you said, is exploded. And I, you know, I've seen that as well, where, um, you know, there's a lot of setups that, you know, coaches and teachers have on the back of driving ranges at clubs, some places. And, you know, there's a couple of coaches that are working together. And of course you've got your bigger academies too. Um, but I want to jump back to something that you mentioned in there about a long range plan. And, you know, I think we live in a world uh, that's increasingly becoming more about instant gratification. And golf is one of those games uh, that a lot of times you don't see instant gratification. And it does take putting a long-term plan in place. Um, so can you kind of talk to the families about that and kind of 
expectations in terms of the development of a junior player and what those expectations should be in terms of planning? What I mean is that unlike, uh, uh, you know, a club member who comes to a, a club pro and says, look, I'm just slicing the ball all over the place. And he'll give them, or she'll give them, you know, a couple of things to try. And oftentimes it works. Um, <clears throat> that's not what you're looking for. When, when you, when, when you're a, a, a professional teacher and you've got a 12 or 13 year old or a 14 year old coming to you to start lessons or what have you, um, your <clears throat> depending on, on where they, you know, the, the, the development up to that point, um, you're trying to start and, and ingrain a, a, a swing and a, an approach to the game of golf um, to start with. And then you're, you're starting with the basics um, with everybody. Now, some don't need that. They're very well developed. Um, so you're talking about developing uh, shots that, that are fairly advanced, you know, moving the ball both ways, uh, different, different types of chip shots, putting routines. Um, it's a, a good coach when he's got his student there is maybe only working on one thing, maybe two during the course of a lesson. You can't have too many things in your head, but that takes time. So you're working on one thing and, and this week and two weeks later, um, you're, you're checking how that has developed and then the, the coach is starting some other things. So it's very much long range. Now, some kids just skyrocket. They just jump. And they have such obvious skills and such an appetite for it that that coach picks up on that and they're going to other things. They'll take them out on a course for a, a playing lesson to, to actually see in, in truth what they're doing. They will um, have them track some stats when they go to tournaments and get back to them and, and kind of go over and analyze that. And obviously the explosion of things like track man and so on. If, if a coach or a teacher uses that, uh, it gives you valuable information. But that's what I mean by long range. It's not, and, and, and along with that, the good coach or teacher has to kind of temper the parents down a little bit because oftentimes when you're putting in new things, it gets worse before it gets better. We all know that. Right. And, yeah. and what that results in sometimes is a kid, they'll go to a tournament that they, they have good intentions to do the things they've been working on, um, but it's not working and they slip back into their old habits to, to get through the tournament. Nothing wrong with that. It's human nature. But sure. that pro knows what the plan is and can, and can talk about it with a family and, and explain what they wanted, what they want to accomplish over the course of perhaps a couple of years. Um, and, and that's what I mean. It's not for immediate, you don't go to a pro and then go out and win, win your next tournament because of what you learned in your lesson. It, life's not like that. Um, maybe for a few sure. people, but I wouldn't know. Um, but yes, it's, it's long range. It's not immediate. It's not something that, um, is going to show up necessarily in your scoring, but in the if 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 what you're learning and, and you're learning it correctly and you're practicing, um, it's going to show up and it's going to pay dividends. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen oftentimes where, you know, if that communication piece is lacking from coach to parent to player, you know, that little triangle, um, you know, sometimes the parent has different expectations yep. and the coach has different expectations and the kid has different expectations, but you just talk about how important that communication is and that triangle of player, coach, parent. I, I think it's, it's crucial. Um, I know when I work with a family in particular, um, I always stress that this is a team effort that they're not, if they hire me, you know, they're not, turning the whole thing over to me. Uh, a lot of the stuff that, and I'll get into that a little bit later, um, that has to be done uh, for a junior, um, that everybody's involved. The parents involved, the coaches involved. Um, and it's, it's crucial that if it breaks down, if the parent isn't happy or if the, whatever, there's so many, so many reasons, um, you got to work together. Um, and it's, you've said it, it's communication, it's tailoring your expectations um, so that you're all on the same page. Um, and it's certainly uh, from, the, from the parents' end, it's, it's support and encouragement at, at their end because ultimately uh, it's not going to happen without that. And not only are they paying for it, but they're up until the time they're driving, they're providing the transportation and so on. Um, it's it's a team effort, uh, and is it is it any different than than the soccer mom or the hockey dad driving the kids all over creation to go to tournaments? There's there's really no difference. Probably the only difference right. is that in golf, as I said, you really need a, a a personal coach to to work with you because it's a very personal sport. It's not a team sport. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one breakdown of, of things, just kind of one of the things that your people might that I sort of wanted to mention um, is I've alluded to it um, is the, the whole idea of college recruiting and so on. I, I just have some kind of principles that I kind of follow in advising sure. people about that part of the of the whole golf process, if if you want. It's up to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I do want to get into that before we jump into that. I know you did, you did a great job kind of breaking down some role responsibilities. Um, and I just wanted to kind of plug something else in there that something I paid a lot of attention to when I was recruiting young players for the Academy world. Uh, I always tried to get a good understanding of, and you kind of alluded to this as well. At the end of the day, the parent with the financial means and the support um, is, is helping open doors for that junior player. But one thing I always tried to figure out when I was interacting with a family was, is the, is the kid driving this experience right. and this opportunity? How important is huh. that? I think it's, uh, it is probably the most important single issue. If it's, why? If it's just ego gratification for the parents and the kid is not as, as much bought into it as the parents, then it's just not going to happen. It's going to lead to disagreements and it's going to lead to, you know, not parent being unhappy. The kid isn't practicing and all that kind of stuff. I don't run into it much anymore. I really don't. I think 
most of the kids are absolutely driven. They almost to the point of being too much that okay. really all they think about is, is going to the range, is practicing, is getting a lesson, is playing in tournaments. Um, I think without that uh, uh, factor at the, at the junior level, um, I, don't, I don't see how a really successful uh, experience is, is going to happen. Uh, it, it, yeah. it can't be what the parent wants. It doesn't, if they're all on the same page, sure, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be for the, for the junior. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody always asks me about burnout. I don't see it much at all. Uh, maybe I'm immune to it. Maybe I don't meet those kinds of kids, but, um, they, they want it. That's all they, they talk about is golf. Their, their, their friends are their golfers. It's, it's amazing. It's a, it's a little bit of an insulated world in that sense. But it's not bad uh, because obviously the environment that junior golfers are in is a very healthy one. Um, you know, they're, they're off the streets. They're, they're, they're communicating with adults more often than not. Um, it's, it's a terrific learning and growing experience. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, yeah, I always draw the parallel between golf and life and and how I think they're, they're the most parallel or golf is the most parallel to life, in my opinion, in terms of sports um, and just developing skills and those types of things. So, uh, yeah, I completely agree with you there. But let's jump into college because I know you want to talk about that. What are some of those um, tips or, I guess, uh, things that you discuss with families when you start talking about college opportunities? Well, First of all, um, every kid pictures himself initially going to Duke or Stanford or Texas or Oklahoma State or what have you. And um, it's totally unrealistic. Every family should realize that at each one of these schools, on average, two new players come in every year. Um, occasionally three, sometimes one, but it's about two. And if you look at, at the expanse of junior golfers throughout the country and those who are playing at high level tournaments, you realize um, it's, it's very difficult. Um, yeah. And it's something that means that when we develop a list of schools to initially contact that I want them to develop with me a very broad list of schools and schools that represent different levels of golf, uh, it, not only in terms of, of division, but um, uh, si it, it, they, they need a list of schools that are going to generate some interest. Um, so there should be some reach schools and some call it easier schools that they might get into. Um, and, and that way, uh, they're getting a nice sample of what's out there. They can't just set their goals on, on one or two schools because it just doesn't happen. And disappointment is going to is going to come. Um, so one of the things that that obviously has to be done, <coughs> and you'd be surprised. I'll have a, somebody ending their junior year, and all of a sudden they're starting the college search. Well, you know, what about a resume? What about this? Nothing. So preparing your materials, uh, a nice resume. Uh, I I use some samples and so on, but you can develop your own from various sources. Um, 
preparing a resume and preparing a nice uh, introductory email is essential. Um, getting that out to the schools. Um, in, if, if you've already done some good things in golf, it certainly can be as early as, as freshman or, or sophomore, but the coaches can't respond. Um, they cannot get back to you until July 1st of your junior year. Um, so you can send them anything you want and call them, leave a message. They can't call you back. Um, and that's still, is that July 1st following your no, junior year? No, starting correct? your that, junior year. No. That, okay. That's, okay. So before you go into your junior right. year. Um, that's, uh, okay. that's universal. Um, that, and I, I don't think that's for division three or below like NAIA, but certainly for, um, the, the upper divisions. Um, and, and, and I caution people, look, don't get discouraged. They, they can't get back to you. They can send you a questionnaire at, at best. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not following you. So my, what I try to do is what I call getting you on the radar screen of coaches. So it doesn't mean that because they're not getting back to you, if they see some, some good stuff in your resume that you sent them now, when they're at a tournament or when they're um, uh, looking at scores from a tournament and Hey, gee, that kid's pretty good. He's, he sent me, uh, he sent me his resume. Uh, I think I'll have to follow him. So you, you get on, on their watch list. You may not know that. Is it a, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, you didn't. I, I just wanted to interject because I, I want to go a little further into that. Is it a good idea for players then to, you know, say they are sending information to college coaches, resume, letter, and that type of stuff. Um, is it a good idea for them to, as they build their schedule out throughout the year, also put that in front of those coaches? Hundred percent. Uh, one of my one of, one of the tenets of my whole program is that, um, again, just because you're not hearing back from the coach, you you play a tournament, a good tournament. Um, send them, hey, coach, just wanted you to know uh, this is what I did. Here's my schedule for the for the summer. Um, in case you're at any uh, tournaments, um, please you know feel free to. We'd, we'd love to have you see me play, etc. Oh yeah, a, a yes. constant update, uh, awards you 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 get all state or this or that. Um, absolutely, because I use this parallel that a kid will get very discouraged even after the contact is allowed that they haven't heard from a coach. So what are you going to assume? Well, the coach isn't interested. Okay. Let's turn that around. All right. You're a pretty good player. Um, all of a sudden, one of the coaches that you have sent something to, you're no longer sending anything to what's he going to think. You're not interested. You, you, you're going right. in other directions. So it goes both ways. Um, yes. Updating and, and staying in touch. Um, if you're at that level, um, of certain schools is very important. There's a school for everybody, Matt. Um, uh, people end up at schools they never would have believed when they start the process and have very successful golf careers and, and love the school. Um, and, and one of the things that I stress with every junior is when it comes time to kind of getting a little more serious about which schools and, and so on and so forth. You want to isolate the factors that are important to you in choosing a college, especially if you have choices and there are many and it's different for everybody. But the one that, and when I say different academic size of school, uh, climate, 
coach, facilities. You could focus in on anything you want, and they're all, they all have a certain degree of importance. But the one that I think is most important is do you have a legitimate chance to play right away? You're not going to get a guarantee right away when you get to that school. Or are you, are yeah. you going to, a, do you want to go to a championship team with virtually everybody is back and you could be waiting a year or two before you get the chance to play. And there are kids that will do that. There are kids that want to go to those teams and have utmost confidence, uh, maybe think they have a chance, but regardless, they, they think that's exhilarating. And that's what they want to do. Uh, personally, it, it, I don't think it's the right thing to do um, because you spend your whole career um, for years and years playing in multiple junior golf tournaments. And all of a sudden you're not playing for a year or two in at least at, at, right. at a competitive level, except in the summer when you're through college. Um, most don't want to do that. Yeah. That should be the main goal, right? I mean, I'm, my dad tells the story of his recruiting process. I've had him on the show before too. And, you know, at the time when he was going through the recruiting process and Clemson was a really top school. So it was Tennessee. Um, he ultimately ended up going to Ole Miss to play there um, because there was a good opportunity to jump in, play right yep. away and kind of help build the team. And so that's what really excited him was just like you said, I mean, you put in all this work leading up to uh, college, you know, you want to pick somewhere that you're able to go in and continue to build on the momentum that you've been, you know, putting forth the entire, the entire way. Right. Without question. And, and the other thing I want to yeah. mention is that uh, it's a little confusing to a lot of people about visiting schools. Um, okay. Now the, the rules have changed a couple of years ago, uh, along with that contact. There are visits and there are official visits. Official visits are usually um, when a coach has, is definitely interested in a kid, doesn't mean there's an offer or anything. And you go and the, the school will pay for your, your visit and you'll stay overnight with some players on the team and so on and so forth. Um, that's a little bit higher level of visit, but you can, you can schedule visits with coaches anytime you want, at, again, after July 1st, because what I say to people is if you're going to go to uh, travel a distance and go visit a college, you want to meet the coach. You want, you want to face to face. You want to ask some important questions um, just to go and see the campus. Most kids are going to be impressed with almost every college campus. <laughs> they're, right. they're beautiful. So, They'll visit a school. Oh, that's great. I want to go there. Two weeks later, they're at another school. Oh, that's for me. Um, so I think if you're at a level where there are some good things in your resume and you've sent them to the coach and you then call the coach and ask to visit, um, I think you want to do it at a time when they're available and you've got to be aware of yeah. their, you know, golf is two seasons in college. Uh, you've got to be aware of their schedules and so on and so forth. Even if it's just, if it's the assistant coach, doesn't matter because assistant coaches do a, most of the recruiting and the head coaches make the decision. Um, but the visits are, are important. There are two things basically that college coaches insist on before they would ever give you an offer. One is they've got to see you play. Absolutely. What's on paper is fine. 
they, they see a lot more than your score and your swing when they are watching you play. Um, and the other thing is they want you to visit their campus because they want to know that you like what you see. They don't want you sure. to get there and, and be disappointed. So those are two things to, to that at, when you get into the, the college, the real college recruiting part of your experience, um, you, you've got to do those things. Uh, you're, I think you're allowed five, or I think it's a maximum of five visits. Um, most kids don't take that many, but um, you're allowed to do it. But your unlimited yeah. visits, unofficial, as I explained, can be uh, at any time. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's a lot, obviously, to, to unpack in the college recruiting space, but I think you did a good job of just kind of highlighting some key things that people can pay attention to. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of move towards wrapping up, but I know that you've been in the golf industry for a long time, and you've seen a lot of players come up and some that are, um, you know, have – really made it to the highest level. Do you have any fun stories that you can share about any players oh, well, specifically that I, stand uh, out? I'm sure you have one or two. In, in thinking, I've been at this so long that um, there are so many, they're no longer kids at the highest levels that I have had, uh, you know, personal relationships with. And I just love to see them on the, on the leaderboards. Uh, I, I'm very active at the Junior Orange Bowl, a big tournament, a very international uh, tournament. Got very friendly with um, Thomas Peters from Belgium. Um, and um, uh, it's, it's, it's watching him play is just a thrill. I, working with a, a tour called FCWT, Ricky Fowler won a national championship at 14 to 15. And we still stay in touch uh, to this day. But one, I think one really nice story, um, boy from Argentina who may be off the tour this year, but he's been on uh, Emiliano Rio. Um, oh yeah. Really wonderful, I know really Emiliano. Wonderful kid. Um, he won the Optimist a couple of times. We got very friendly. Um, so he was playing the Honda two years ago um, at uh, PJ national and he was seeing off a number 10 and I was uh, behind the ropes, but right on a rope. Um, and the start of finish, uh, giving them the material because they had three or four minutes to themselves. I don't know why I don't usually do this. It's not me, but I kind of <laughs> yelled over. I said, Emiliano, and he turned around, looked at me, and walks all the way across the tee, ducks under the rope, gives me a hug, and when he walks back, the people around me say, who the heck is this guy that I don't <laughs> would do this? <laughs> But oh, that's funny. They, you know, they don't forget. Um, and, and one more, um, Peter Uline, who is, uh, I'm from, from uh, Rhode Island originally. Peter grew up in Massachusetts. Um, we're, we're extremely friendly with him. played all my junior tournaments up there. And, um, yeah. oh, I don't know, he was 13 and kind of misbehaving on the golf course. I got a, I got a uh, couple of reports. So I went to his mother who was in the clubhouse, and I said, Tina, um, listen, I got to talk to Peter about his behavior. She cuts me off. She says, you better, because he doesn't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this kind of stuff happens all the time. Um, and I, when, I, when I look at the leaderboards these days, just 
kids who are streaming onto these tours on uh, uh, it's it's unreal. And you see some coming. This girl from down here, Alexa Pano. I'm very friendly with her by now. The whole world probably knows who she is. Um, oh yeah, great player. Just just awesome. Um, when you see them develop at such a young age, they're the exception. And you know, people measure perhaps their success by people like that, and they really shouldn't because they're phenoms. And there's phenoms in every sport. You know, not everybody's a a, a Tiger Woods or a, or a Kobe or what have you. It, it's just not life. So you got to do sure. your own thing and set your set your own goals that that are appropriate, and uh, maybe you'll even exceed them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's neat to hear you talk about some of those players. It's it's interesting. So yesterday, um, uh, a player that I w- I'm connected to, who's actually playing at Flagler now, um, had a really neat post on Instagram that the the school put out for him, and it just kind of kind of furthers what you're talking about, where there's a lot of superstars out there, but there's most people that that aren't um, superstars, but they're just uh, you know plugged in and they're continuing to get better and continuing to improve. And they put something out about him yesterday and said that he's always going above and beyond um, everything he does. He's not the number one player, doesn't get much recognition, but he's always pushing his teammates to better themselves. And um, I just think that that aspect of the game and, and just the junior golf and college golf world is, is an an awesome one. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. It's it. It keeps my interest. It never ceases to amaze me. And as the kids that graduate and go to college, there's a whole other crop behind them who are just as eager to, to accomplish. And uh, it keeps me young. And I'm not young anymore. <laughs> well, young at heart, maybe, right? Yeah, I'll agree to that. <laughs> well, let's, uh, before we wrap up, I've, I've started something new over the past few weeks um, that I've gotten some good feedback about, and that is flipping the script a little bit and letting the guest uh, throw a question back at me. So um, if you would, if you have anything that maybe you're curious about or, or maybe you're not, <laughs> um, uh, what's a question that you might want to throw back my way? Well, I would say, um, again, I don't know your audience or what have you, but do you get feedback from people who hear your podcasts and whatever, have questions or anything to do with what they've heard, um, you know, on a show like this? Do you, what, how do you know whether, you know, who you're reaching and what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so I get a lot of feedback and, um, you know, fortunately with check technology, I'm able to track a lot of metrics behind the scenes of, you know, where the podcast is going. And um, so I can say so far, the podcast has reached uh, 25 different countries and uh, 42 different states in the U.S. And, um, you know, I think that's a nice wide reach. You know, I'm working on deepening, um, you know, those relationships or those audiences in those different areas. But um I have received a lot of good feedback, whether it be direct messages on social media or emails, um, you know, particularly one that jumps out is a single mom that reached out to me and emailed me and just said, you know, I really appreciate, you know, the information that you're putting out there and the guests that you're having on. Um, I had no direction on, you know, how to help my junior player, my son, um, you know, navigate this journey that he's he's in love with the game. 
And, um, you know, you've really kind of helped put some resources in front of us that we can now use to, to build his path for him. So that's why I'm doing this. Honestly, you know, I don't, this isn't something I get, uh, paid to do or anything like that. It's those emails, um, and those messages that I get back are, you know, kind of the fuel that, that keep me going and keep me encouraged that I'm, you know, heading down the right path with this show. I'll tell you one last little story, just to, okay. just to bring a smile to somebody's face. So when, when I'm working with a particular kid and they're planning a, a particular visit to a college, I always prep them a little bit about intelligent questions to, an- to ask, not just to show their intelligence, but to get some information. So one of the questions is, coach, you know, what do I have to do at this point to be recruited by you? And the coach looks them square in the eye, pauses a little bit, and you know the old saying that there's more truth in humor than you realize. He says, look, son, I look for three things. I look for low scores, I look for low scores, and I look for low scores. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the kid didn't know what to make of it. (laughs) He didn't know. Right. Being completely serious. But if you think it's not true, forget it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a key piece, right? (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Oh, well, that's a good way to wrap it up. I appreciate you giving us a laugh there at the end. Um, And I appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. You've got a ton of experience. Uh, You know, maybe we can dive in a little bit at a later date to some additional stuff and, uh, you know, just continue to bring some audience or some value to this audience. So, Foon, I appreciate yeah, it. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you're, you're doing a great job, and I think you're, you're really uh, providing a service for a lot of people. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, you. Matt. All right. Have a great Bye-bye. day. Well, that's a wrap for episode 25 of Junior Golf Keys. I really appreciate you guys tuning in for my conversation with Steve. Um, As you can tell, he is super passionate about golf and helping young people and helping families uh, navigate the space and make good decisions so that they can uh, put themselves in the best position to succeed in the game of golf. Uh, had a lot of fun chatting with him and um, look forward to you know hopefully some future conversations with him around some of the topics that we covered and, and some additional ones as well. Um, if you guys took any value away from this podcast, I would ask, like I always do, please leave a review. Please share the episode. Um, you know, Also, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have coming up. Uh, But really appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you very much. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.